The date is July 10th, 1991, and we're watching Point Break. Welcome to I Used to Like This One. Welcome to I Used to Like This One, the show where we take a look back at movies we remember fondly from our childhood and attempt to look past the nostalgia to see if they still hold up. My name is Sean Wells, and with me, as always, is the Bodie to my Johnny Utah. Sup, bruh? It's Colin Stewart. <laughs> yeah, I figured after how much you said that you appreciated Patrick Stewart back in our Roadhouse episode that, that you wouldn't... Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> <laughs> I mixed him up with like it was half him, half you. Yeah, Patrick Swayze back in our Roadhouse episode. Yeah, you you'd appreciate being Bodie. Yeah, most definitely I appreciate it. <laughs> so this week we're looking back at July 1991 when the movies in theaters were a couple of our recent subjects, Robin Hood Prince of Thieves and The Rocketeer, plus Problem Child 2, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and of course our movie for today Point Break, which earned $83.5 million on a $24 million budget. I'd also like to note that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey opened the very next week. So back in 1991, you could have done a double header of Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I mean, that'd be interesting. I haven't seen, obviously, I haven't seen Bill and Ted 2 yeah. yet. <laughs> yet. But, uh, you know, I mean, you could probably watch that movie and then watch Point Break and you'd get probably two you know, very diverse, but also very equal in terms of Keanu Reeves' acting ability by watching <laughs> these two movies. Yeah, I'd say you probably could. Absolutely. I mean, I was thinking too, like with all those movies, like 1991 was actually a really good year for movies. Yeah. I know that a lot of people, a lot of people point out 1999 mm -hmm. as being one of the best years in film, but I would say that 1991, well, not quality movies with the likes of Robin Hood, Men in Tights and, you know... Point Break, even though it is good, the acting <laughs> said, leaves a little bit to be desired. See, I'm not the only but, uh, one making slips. I said Patrick Stewart, you said Men in Tights. So, <laughs> oh yeah, I mean Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Prince of Thieves as yeah. discussed on a previous episode. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, not quality cinema, but definitely memorable cinema in 1991 for sure. Yeah, I mean, we've been celebrating a lot of these 30 year old movies, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was a great year. Yeah. And like we said, this is the 30th anniversary of Point Break, so we're celebrating. There's going to be a 30-year storm of spoilers headed at you, so <laughs> strap on your surfboard if you want to ride the wave of spoilers. But if you don't want to ride the wave of spoilers, please hit pause, go watch the movie, and then come back and just dive on in. <laughs> right on. So the tagline that appears on the poster for this movie is, well, I do have three. First, we have 27 banks in three years. Anything to catch the perfect wave. Isn't it 30 banks in three years? Well, I think that's by the end of the movie. Like, oh, they, so it started yeah, out. Yeah, they've already... The starts, it's at 27. Yeah, exactly. Uh, second, we have in California, you can party, have sex and surf before it's time to go to work. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't sound like necessarily like a tagline for Point Break. It seems more like the tagline for the state of California. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, sponsored by the California Tourism Board. Yeah, and have it <laughs> have it right, right on the sign, Sex, Surf, Rob Banks. There you go. Uh, welcome, welcome to California. 
I wish our city's motto was the same thing, you know, just sex, surf, and robbing banks. <laughs> I mean, maybe we should have uh, suggested that when they were trying to replace City of Champions. I don't know if they have replaced the slogan yet or not, but no, that might be one to put forward. Okay, so finally, uh, our last tagline is Point Break, 100% pure adrenaline. Yeah, I mean, that kind of sums up the movie, I guess. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd say a, so. A bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they may not be the best descriptions of this movie, so let's go to Colin and do a 60-second synopsis. I'm tempted to do this in, like, a surfer, a surfer accent, like... When freshly minted FBI agent Johnny Utah... I can't do the whole thing that way, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, set that aside. Here we go. When freshly minted FBI agent Johnny Utah is teamed with jaded veteran Angelo Pappas, he decides to start at the top of the most wanted list and take down a group of bank robbers known as the Ex-Presidents. Following Angelo's hunch that the presidents are surfers, Johnny takes to the waves and infiltrates a group of local surfer dudes led by the original Aquaman, Bodie. As he learns to become <laughs> one with the ocean, Johnny's love for Rush begins to get in the way of his love for the law. Will Johnny be able to do what is right and bring the Bodie man in? Let's find out on another episode of I Used to Like This One. Right on. Yeah, I know this is one of those movies, we've had a few of them on our show, where I've seen it a couple times. I, I wouldn't say that I've ever been obsessed with this movie or anything, but I remember that I always liked it. But I realized on this watch that, like, I forgot the whole cop storyline. Yeah. Like, I remember the skydiving and the bank robberies and the surfing, and that's what I remembered from this movie. And it was because it was brought up in our Fast and the Furious episode a couple weeks ago, talking about how this is just like Fast and the Furious. I know I was watching it with that lens on my eyes this time. And, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. one of the things that infuriated me was there's so much more cop story in this than Fast and the Furious. Get to the action. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, but now you have mentioned on the show before that you have never seen Point Break. Yeah, no, I've never watched it. Point Break has always been a movie that I've really wanted to watch, but just never found the time. And, it, like, I think the only thing I know of Point Break is that the shooting the gun in the sky scene from Hot Fuzz. Like, yeah. that's that's my reference point yeah. for, <laughs> for right. Point Break. That's right, I forgot about that. Okay. And so it was really interesting for me when we did the Fast and the Furious episode to read all those reviews. Like, literally... I would say 80% of the reviews for Fast and the Furious comment on how it is a ripoff of Point Break. Yeah. And because Fast and the Furious is, like, definitely in my top five favorite movies, I couldn't help, like you said, but watch this movie with that lens to really just compare and see, like, oh, yeah, what well, did Fast and the Furious rip off this movie? And I would say in ways, but I still think... I mean, I would sum it up this way. I think that Fast and the Furious is a better point break than point break in my in my in my opinion. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, this is one of those ones that if they wanted to take it to court, mm -hmm. they wouldn't be able to take this to actual court. They'd have to take this in front of Judge Judy. That yeah. might be the only <laughs> way they'd win that court case. It's close. I I can see it, but you know, Hot tub time machine, you could say ripped off Bill and Ted's. I, you know, like. yeah, yeah, it's definitely like there's similar similar themes, but I think the stories are still kind of fundamentally far, a little more far apart than I would say a ripoff should be, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, okay, let's jump into Point Break. It's directed by Catherine Bigelow, the Oscar-winning director of The Hurt Locker. Yeah, that was shocking to me. <laughs> and our first female director on the show, Colin. Oh, wow. We have our first female. Yeah. That was like probably probably the thing that blew me away right off the hop was seeing it directed by Catherine Bigelow and... I had to Google it. I was like, oh, there must be two Catherine Bigelows. Like, surely it's not <laughs> Surely it's not the same Catherine Bigelow that directed the Oscar award-winning movie, The Hurt Locker, because that movie is, like, yeah. high art <laughs> compared mm-hmm. to Point Break. And she, she did Zero Dark Thirty, too, didn't she? Oh, yeah, I think she might have, yeah. yeah. But it's funny, because I was just like, well, it just goes to show, like, maybe Michael Bay could win an Oscar one day. <laughs> oh, no! No! <laughs> So we've got this movie produced by Peter Abrams, Joseph Newton Cohen, and Robert L. Levy, and it's written by W. Peter Illiff, and also Rick King gets a story by, even though he's not listed on IMDb for some reason, but the, the credits listed him, so I added him. Okay, now, we're on episode 48 now, and Colin and I decide, eh, it's time to shake things up. Let's try to establish a new format on the show so any regular listeners this episode may sound a little bit different any new time listeners you know we are trying something new and this might be what it sounds like from now on so you know you can give us feedback but we are going to be trying something different with our show just so that you know i'm talking a little bit less because i i talk so much and we want this (laughs) to be a little bit more of a teamwork exercise going on so Bear with us if this is a little rocky for our first time. They'll never know because we'll just edit out all the rocky There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So I I do want to start off by saying how much I enjoyed the opening bit here with the splicing between the surfing and the shooting range. And the title going across the screen and crossing over with itself was, I thought it was kind of a fun setup. Yeah, I was going to say that was the first part where I was like, oh, this Fast and the Furious might have ripped off this Because I'm pretty sure Fast and the Furious starts the exact same way with the translucent letters that like overshoot the overshoot the scenery in the back I'm, when they're loading up when they're loading up the trucks. I'm trying to remember. Maybe I don't remember. And it was like two weeks. I did ago. think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did think that the shooting range thing, like <laughs> that scene when Keanu Reeves just single cocks the shotgun or whatever. Yeah. Seemed very, seemed very gratuitous. <laughs> and then late, later on in the movie, I realized that this scene is only in the movie for the chase scene later when he, it's, it's, this scene only serves one purpose and that's to show you that he's a perfect shot and can never miss. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when Riggs did his thing in Lethal Weapon and and we yeah. said that, yeah, he could hit that helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the first several scenes of this movie are just establishing our FBI world. So we meet our three main agents. We've got Ben Harp, played by John C. McGinley. Man, I loved him as Dr. Cox and Scrubs. I don't know if you were a yeah. Scrubs watcher, but oh. I was a sporadic Scrubs watcher, and it was like, I saw him and I was like, I know that guy. Yeah. What do I know that guy from? And it took me forever to realize it was Scrubs. I was ashamed. Yeah, and I love him in <laughs> Office Space as well. Oh my god. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, what would you say you actually do here? Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> what What is his actual position in the FBI, though? Is he like a captain or something? Like it just it never seems clear yeah. to me. I don't understand. Like to be honest, I don't understand the FBI. 
Like this iteration of the FBI or just in general, well, the FBI? I mean, it's, it's kind of hard because my knowledge of the FBI is solely based on movies. Fair enough. And all you, all you ever see is agents. I never yeah. have really understood what the reporting structure of the FBI is. Mm. Well, there's always a director. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But the director seems like way higher than what John C. McGinley is. Yeah, they've got the office, and I don't think he has an office. Yeah, he seems like he seems more like I would say he's probably like a captain. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. I, I know he's definitely got some of my favorite lines in the movie though. Like when he's talking to Johnny Utah about how little he knows, and he says, If you even knew that you knew nothing, that'd be something, oh, yeah. but you don't. and of course you know we've got young dumb and full of cum came from him yeah i was gonna say is that the like the origin of that line i was wondering that too because i asked the same thing back in roadhouse about i gotta go drain the main vein yeah so are are these are these patrick swayze movies just like ingrained in our culture that much and i never realized it i don't know i do (laughs) i do think that patrick like i don't have a soft spot for patrick swayze necessarily well i do now but i definitely think he's he was more popular in his time than i ever recognized yeah i think so i I probably feel the same way i i found a fun fact you know at this moment when we're talking about lines there are 105 uses of the word fuck in this movie (laughs) was it was that at any point the record i have no idea no i i just I thought it was a fun fact to read. And so with these FBI guys, we also have Pappas, played by Gary Busey, who we talked about in Lethal Weapon, and our hero for the movie, Johnny Utah, played by Keanu Reeves, who we talked about in Bill and Ted's. I read that Matthew Broderick was offered the role, and Johnny Depp, Charlie Sheen, Willem Dafoe, and Val Kilmer were all considered. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what I read. I read something, because this movie, it was, was Matthew Broderick the original actor and the there was a point where the movie was about to get made and then things fell through for four years. Oh, I didn't hear and, that uh, part. I just heard that he was offered the role. Okay. I, I feel like that's a higher status than considered for. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine Matthew Broderick. I feel like this if he was in this movie, that would have changed the course of his career. Yeah, and even in 91, wasn't Willem Dafoe a little too old for the role? 91. I don't know. Like, Willem Dafoe always seems like he's always old to me. Yeah. Even even when I he's agree. young, you know? Yeah. I also just feel like Willem Dafoe has the face. He doesn't have, like, I still think Johnny is a pretty boy character. Yeah. Like, I, Willem Dafoe, as much as I love him, he is not what I would call a pretty boy. No. I don't know if he ever has been. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to go back to the deer hunter to see how young and attractive he, he would look. Yeah. I could have yeah. totally seen Johnny Depp. Like, Maybe Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Yeah, maybe Charlie Sheen, yeah. Even Val Kilmer. I mean, that was that would have been Willow Val Kilmer ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, with Top Gun's like eighty six, Gun. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. not that far away. Okay, so what did you think of the various relationship among these grand theft agents? I mean <laughs> I just think like they have uh <laughs> like What's McGinley's character's name again? Uh jeez. Like uh, Ben Harp. Yeah. Every- ben Harp. Yeah. He is just like your caricature of law enforcement. Yeah. For one. And then I thought like Angelo doesn't seem that checked out. But, like he only seems like maybe I guess maybe the 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 speech that Johnny gives him actually does like reignite his fire for yeah. law enforcement. But it is it is strange that like yeah, when you first meet him like Harp 
basically says like he should just go as well. Like he just seems like they're at the pool or whatever and he doesn't want to do anything. He's kind of, he reminds me of like, I don't know. I, we work for government. There's always these people who've been there, who've been there for way too long and are just kind of like hanging on. Uh, I mean, it's even kind of like Harvey in Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good, yeah, comparison. Yeah. He, he, tur- he starts off not liking anything, but by the end of it, he's been won over by the young hotshot that comes in. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that's kind of the thing about those relationships is they're just so basic. Mm-hmm. Harp is the hard ass boss. Johnny is the, hot shot young guy who's out to prove himself but like like he says he doesn't know what he doesn't know but he thinks he knows everything and then Poppas is that jaded nobody listens to me i'm just gonna keep my head down and wait till i retire type officer and i think i don't know harp kind of like he comes in and out so much during the movie but i really enjoyed the bromance I really enjoyed the, the bromance between yeah. Poppas and utah yeah and it's an unlikely one, but man, like I, I enjoy it when, once it does start up. Yeah. Yeah. Why why does Johnny come in so cocky though? Like I know he's a hot shot in his class, but like my god, he comes in just just guns a blazing on on both the boss. Like, I mean he's he's doing his stuff like, you know, the I caught my first tube this morning, sir. Right? Like, you know, <laughs> he, he comes in <laughs> he doesn't care if he's coming in late. You know, but then there's also, yeah, like you said, the part where he gets up in Pappas' face mm-hmm. and yells at him for a bit. Like, I I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't know if I bought it. Yeah, I find Johnny very, very difficult to, like, and I don't know if it's like Keanu Reeves. I mean, he's definitely like, this is not, like, just my, my assessment of Keanu Reeves in this movie is I'm shocked that he ever worked after it. Like, it's just like... <laughs> It's such it's such a bad performance, but everyone around him is so good that it like, that it just makes it okay. <laughs> but even even that even the scene where they're where he's like yelling at Poppas and all, it's so wooden and so like I feel I feel like Gary Busey how he didn't just start laughing. They, I feel like there's probably a blooper reel for that scene for sure. Oh yeah, but yeah, I like I like their relationship. I mean, that is another difference from this movie and Fast and the Furious. Like you said, there is more of the cop stuff in mm-hmm. this movie than that movie. I was shocked that Poppas got killed. Yeah. I was flabbergasted by that. I thought for sure. I thought for sure that Poppas, we were either going to find out by the end that he was in on it with the surfers, mm-hmm. that he that he was somehow like bankrolling them or like give, or tipping them off. Yeah. or something. I thought there was going to be something like that at play. Mm-hmm. But he and Johnny become like besties all of a sudden, and and yeah, he just he just spills it all out that he this is his theory that they might be surfers because, like he says, they vanish like a virgin on prom night. <laughs> He's got some great lines too. <laughs> the air got yeah. dirty and the sex got clean when he refers to L.A. Or you look like hammered shit. He says later on after Johnny gets beat up. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I do I do like that they gave. Because all I know about Gary Busey is his craziness. Like, I do like his character in this. He's he's a very enjoyable character. You know, and they're, they, yeah, they've got this bromance. Like, the DNA gathering on the beach is fun. Or, 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 like, they give him these amazing cover stories. And he sells it so well. Because, like, after, yeah. after Johnny has just fought off all those guys, he runs up with the binoculars. And, you know, you see a kid run by with a radio? Or, or later with the dog where he's running the down dog, the... Yeah. yeah. It makes 
make him pretty competent, <laughs> which is nice for Gary Busey, you know? Yeah, like his <laughs> arc is actually like kind of cool because it is him kind of, you know, going from that jaded officer to to somebody who's kind of like found a new life in their career. Yeah. I guess even though he's even though he's older or whatever. Yeah. I thought that I thought that was cool. He's not just the like the the constant naysayer. Yeah, he gets on board. It's like yeah, he's rekindled this fire inside him. And and now he's like all of a sudden insubordinate too because like when Johnny gets arrested and he comes to Johnny's rescue and punches out Ben, you know, like yeah. <laughs> respect <laughs> your elders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is why I was wondering about Ben's status in the task force earlier is because of the fact that he punches him out and there seem to be no repercussions. Yeah. But yeah, it is too bad that they killed him off. Like, you know, you kind of thought that maybe they were just going to wound him. But like the body count gets high at the end of this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it goes from these respectful robbers that never kill anyone to all of a sudden we've got like a dozen deaths in the last half of this movie. So. That's just what happens when you cross the line. <laughs> yeah. So now let's get into like our next group of people where we're learning how to surf and we're meeting our surfer culture. I read that it was originally going to be skateboarders, though, instead of surfers. That would have been. I mean, I'm, I guess that like, especially I feel like in the 90s, like skateboarding was really huge and in California as well. But isn't Gleaming the Cube a skateboarding mo- uh, movie? I, well, yeah. there's like the the dog like Dogtown dog and, yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was so the surfing thing was a weird thing for me because I mean I know nothing about surfing for one, but I it almost feels like the surfing is shoehorned into the movie mm-hmm. a little bit too much. It would have been one thing if they were just surfers, and but I feel like they try to use surfing as a metaphor so often, and like <laughs> as a metaphor. Yeah, like. <laughs> Is it because Patrick Swayze is so philosophical about it all? Is that, is that why you, well, the, you feel that way, maybe? Yeah, there's that. But even, like, <laughs> it's like, why is surfing so important? Like, they treat it like, it's just, I don't know what it is. It's just surfing is, like, it's so important to them. It's not just something they do. It's, like, literally their culture. It's, like, their yeah. their reason for being. Even Even their whole thing with the... With the bank robber, like the the money is used to surf. Yeah, I yeah. just thought I just thought that was that was odd that so so much of it just centers on surfing, not like. But I mean, I was trying to think because I, I feel like in Fast and the Furious they like steal to like take care of themselves. But the more I think about it, maybe that's not true because there is that scene in the movie where they just like buy all those car parts. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It is. It is kind of similar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the surfers. First, let's let's meet our love interest for the movie, Tyler, played by Lori Petty, who was in A League of Her Own, uh, Orange is the New Black. Do you think there's something Ellen DeGeneres like about Lori Petty? Is it is it just me? But yeah, I I could see that. I thought she was so attractive. I don't know why. Like I didn't expect to, but I thought she was just so beautiful. Yeah, and this this is the woman who was going to be in Demolition Man. Oh, is it? Oh, right, but, right, right. Yeah. yeah. She was up for the Sandra Bullock role and then okay. got got cut due to creative differences with Sly. Yeah. But but both got to work with Keanu. There you go. <laughs> there is a weird there is a weird moment in this movie when Johnny runs her plate and uh finds out that she was born I think in 1974. Mm-hmm. And I had to do the math and be like, "Man, someone who was born in 1974 was 27 in 1991." Yeah. 
It doesn't seem like anybody born in 1970, 1974 just seems so old to me. Mm-hmm. Well, it is now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you think that this relationship between them was, like, a believable, though? Do you think that Keanu and Lori Petty had chemistry? I mean, because it's, it's one of those typical, I hate you when I meet you, but I fall f- hard and fast for you, you know? Well, I mean, yeah. she comes in hot when <laughs> when they first meet and she yeah. saves his life she comes in hot yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean i feel like she did her best but when you're when you're trying to emote with a brick it's pretty hard <laughs> yeah i don't know i thought their relationship was kind of it's just like one of those things it's a 90s movie so there needs to be a love interest and so they had one kind of thing i think that's all i can, could really say for it i didn't think it was necessarily not believable but i thought they didn't do a good job of, like, painting the stakes of the relationship. Mm-hmm. So, like, by the time you get to the end and she, like, almost shoots him in the head, which, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> when I saw that scene, I was probably like, that's probably the worst way I could possibly be woken up by somebody to shoot the pillow next to my head. Yeah. But Yeah, that's pretty high on my list. <laughs> it's also, like, they don't really, pl- they kind of, like, mention that she dated Bodhi. Mm-hmm. And I thought there was going to be more to that, but it's it's just that that whole thing fizzles out really quick. Yeah, and so and so you're just like kind of like oh yeah, well they're going to get together, but he never really has to like fight for her mm-hmm. or anything like. Wait, which also just... makes it bizarre when he's got such a ticking clock on her kidnapping, and it's like, well, mm-hmm. don't you care about her? Like it seems like you have <laughs> some sort of feelings for her. Yeah, and it, and also they try to like show his feelings for her, but it's like it's too late. Yeah, and it's so fast. It's like they're having that one conversation. He's like, "Oh, can't tell you right now." And then and then later on, he's, he's later on she finds his badge, almost shoots him in the head, and then he's calling. He's like, "Oh, why can't I just say how I feel?" <laughs> and you're like, "I don't know, Keanu. I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> and and we definitely get treated to like quite an extended changing scene when she's introduced like yeah like with him watching her by with binoculars but she she just hops into that front seat without even doing up her fly i don't think she's wearing underwear like it's yeah. <laughs> she just doesn't give a fuck <laughs> yeah, i also had questions about why he was interested in her from the get go yeah I didn't understand what led him to her. Because they had a meet cute. Like he already had an in with, remember me? I'm I'm the idiot on the surfboard whose life you saved. Yeah. That's what I think about it, right? It's like, like he, he I, goes yeah. back to the station and says, I made a contact today. And it's just this random okay. chick. But, you know, it's the only person he actually talked to, I guess. Yeah. I guess I kind of assumed that when he... I mean, we know he's not a good surfer. Yeah. But for some reason in my mind, my mind connected a dot that I'm now that I think about it isn't there. But I thought when he went out for that initial surf, that the whole like almost dying thing was almost a ploy to get her to come to him. But maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm just making that up in my head. Yeah, it looked like he was genuinely in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And then then she does start teaching him to surf. I love how there's this song called I Will Not Fall playing during the the learning to surf montage it's like okay yeah that that's a little on the nose i think (laughs) yeah it also seems like a a real violation of whatever privacy act that exists in, in the united states to be 
an officer of the law take somebody's license plate number to find out where they work to ask them on a date. So that you can make up a story about your fake dead parents. How how would she even <laughs> forgive him for that later? Like, even with the fact that he saves her life, I don't think that's forgivable. That's mm-hmm. hitting below the belt on that one. The fact that she does, I feel like that's a little bit of toxic masculinity happening, happening there. Like, <laughs> she basically just gaslit you for two and a half hours, and then you... <laughs> oh, it's all right. He saved me, even though he lied about everything and had sex with me. And <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> All's well that ends well. I, I I did read that everyone or the three main people did learn how to surf before this movie. Like they went and had a professional coaching. And Patrick Swayze had said said that he had tried a couple times before. Keanu Reeves had never tried, and Laurie Petty had never even been in the ocean. Yeah, I read that as well. <laughs> I love that. Oh. And I mean, I, I, I've i never tried surfing, but everything that I've seen or heard from people who have is like, it's not an easy thing to learn. No, I have trouble bodyboarding when I, anytime I go to Mexico or something, and that's the easy one. Yeah. <laughs> you just have to lay there. Yeah, and I, I do have to say that this movie was made now, and I, I don't think I've ever actually seen the reboot. I don't know if you have. I haven't. I was tempted to watch it, but I... <laughs> I read the Wikipedia synopsis of it and a couple of reviews, and it just sounded so terrible oh, Okay, that I just thought, like, nah, I'm not going to waste my time. Even, w- even with the Hemsworth at the helm, huh? Well, <laughs> I don't think it's a Hemsworth. I thought it was, I thought Chris Hemsworth was the star of that one. No, it's a, the, literally the only actor, actress that I recognize is Teresa Palmer, who I always call, like, blonde Kristen Stewart. And like she's the most famous person in that movie of of oh. the main of the main characters. Well, that shows that I've definitely never seen it. Then point break. Edgar Ramirez and Luke Bracy. Yeah. Okay. There. That's that's who they are, and that's Bodie and Utah respectively. Okay. Well. But yeah. I, anyway, though, I think yeah. If you made this movie today, though. I mean, a quick Google search. Like, what is he telling her when he, like, after he fucks her on the beach? And, I mean, man, she'd be so salty. Yeah. But, <laughs> like, he wakes up the, the next morning and realizes he's late for work. What's he telling her? But, yeah, a quick Google search because apparently he's famous from his college days. You know, his cover story would com- be completely thrown. Yeah, the, lo- immediately. the lawyer thing. I thought it was interesting. And, because uh, what does he say? Like, when they're playing football and Bodhi asks him, like, what he did after college, he says, he just says, I went to law school. And then there's this, like, weird pause where Bodhi fills in the gap of, like, you're a lawyer. And I was like, oh, I wonder if that goes back to the whole thing. Like, oh, if you're a if they ask you if you're a cop, you have to tell them or whatever. But yeah, yeah. The entrapment, (laughs) quote unquote, rule. Yeah. But yeah. In an age of the internet, she would just be able to search his name and be like, oh, what law firm do you work for? Yeah. There's no way that wouldn't come up. <laughs> exactly. Well, now, while we're on the subject of Bodhi, yeah, let's let's talk about him. Patrick Swayze. We talked about him in our Roadhouse episode. Uh, do you like Swayze with the beard? Oh, I'm so glad that you brought this up. 
No, I do uh, not. <laughs> like in a, in a way, I thought it was it was like reminiscent of Arnold's in Kindergarten Cop, where, yeah, where I, totally. I, I wasn't sure whether it was real. Like it's a little f- less fake looking, but still, it's off. There's, uh, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I was gonna say like even Patrick's Patrick's. I was about to call him Patrick Stewart. Even Patrick Swayze <laughs> with blonde hair is so foreign to me. Like that dirt, that dirty blonde hair i was just like where is the patrick swayze from roadhouse and yeah that more of a sandy blonde sandy blonde not bleach blonde yeah i'm just so used to seeing him look so clean Mm -hmm. and and in point break he just looks so homeless yeah so i mean i mean that might be just commitment to his his work but yeah yeah, the beard the beard was a struggle the first watch for sure So you you know the joke that he throws out about Johnny's surfboard saying, well, it's a surfboard, all right. And then he compares it to a 57 Chevy saying that he once used to drive one of those. That's the wink and the thumbs up to the camera here. That's because that's the car he drives in Dirty Dancing. So, you mm. know, an- another clean cut Swayze driving his 57 Chevy. Nice. <laughs> nice. But he, he really likes these philosophical characters, though, yeah. right? Yeah, he does. And it's just like Bodhi didn't have to be so philosophical. Like he could have just been a little bit more, I don't know. But but he's also like so divided because like not only is he all riding waves as a state of mind, man, but yeah. he's also the 100% pure adrenaline guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, other guys snort for it, jab a vein for it. All you got to do is jump. Uh, right? Like <laughs> yeah. He's got two very he's got, you know, the adrenaline junkie and he's got the deep philosophical, oh, the waves, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just the live live free. I'm surprised he doesn't just live in a tent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why does he actually have a house? But if he's always moving, why does he have a he must be renting that they house? He must be renting it, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and and his obsession with the 50-year storm. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like you said earlier where it's just like this is just their culture. Yeah. I wish I could understand a culture that deeply for something. Yeah, I mean, it remi- it's very reminiscent of today with, like, fitness culture. How, like, yeah. when you see, like, fitness influencers on Instagram or whatever, they're just so into it and everything is about it. And it's yeah, that's kind of what these guys were, like, surf influencers before they could just take pictures of themselves all the time. Yeah. I enjoyed the bromance, though, between Johnny Utah and Bodie. The Papas Johnny one, I don't know, which one do you think was better? This is this is one where I was very much com- comparing Fast and the Furious. Yep, I so agree. So I was very much comparing Brian and Dom to Johnny and Bodie. And mm-hmm. so, like, ex- like, what did you think, like, in terms of Bodie and Johnny? Well, part of it seemed to be that Bodie was, like, fanboying out on Johnny. Because okay. when, when you look at the fact that in Fast and the Furious... He saves Dom's life. Mm-hmm. That's how Brian gets welcomed into the family. The yeah. the, the, the whole scene the of Buster. The Buster, yeah, it kept me out of jail. But yeah, I, I felt like compared to Fast and the Furious, because again, I was watching it with that lens too. It seems like he was welcoming him in because because he is the one that turns around later, you know, oh, don't talk to him like that. You you know who this is? This is Johnny Utah. So it just, it seemed more accelerated, but I think it was because of the different reason. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. There was just... something about it that to me, it, I couldn't gather what they wanted from each other. 
Or if, or if, mm-hmm. if Johnny was even genuinely friends with him. Yeah. There are times when Johnny seems like he's getting in deep, as they say. But then when he goes to do his police stuff, like, he's all for it. Like, Well, yeah, because I, I also don't even feel like Johnny has these guys on his radar as suspects. I think he's he feels like this is getting him closer to the actual robbers. I don't think they're even actually suspects at this point. Yeah, that was the other question I had. So if we're talking like the beginning, like the first half of the movie, I still don't really understand like Bodie. He seems like he's being shady to me. Uh-huh. For whatever reason, he ne- he never seems genuine. Yeah, and he almost seems jealous of Johnny. Like they're just se- it just seems like they have this this. He's playing some sort of game. Is how it feels. Yeah, I see in that. In Fast and the Furious, they're like bros. Like they're tight. Yeah. Like they're like friends. But in in Point yeah. Break, it's like they're rivals almost they're like friendly they're more friendly rivals than like family i think Mm -hmm. would be my would be my distinction yeah because even when he turns it up later on with when he knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) and 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 he's trying to get him to go skydiving with him like even when he ramps it up at that point it's like uh yeah but i kind of saw that yeah I, i i agree with you i can see that it's almost like that was part of his character traits all along yeah because so later on there's that scene i think it's after tyler and johnny have sex and they're walking to the beach and they see the four of them surfing mm-hmm. or the five of them surfing and the one guy pulls down his pants which is like which is a weird way to start <laughs> connecting the dots <laughs> but like right but it's like <laughs> well, and, and i love at that moment when it like even flashes back yeah. Because Tyler says, what's wrong, Johnny? You look like you saw a ghost. And it flashes back to when Papa says, oh, they're ghosts, Johnny. And it's like spoon feeding you. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like this this scene happens. And I don't know. In my mind, I feel like Johnny now knows these are the guys. These are the ex-presidents. Yeah. And so then... What happens next is the whole the whole chase after they've spooked them from the bank and Johnny chases Yeah, the stake yeah. the shittiest stakeout in the history of stakeouts. Yeah. Because one guy is reading Calvin and Hobbes and the other guy is buying his meatball sub and of course that's when they rob the bank. Yeah. And so <laughs> it's weird. This this whole like turn of events is so bizarre to me because like Johnny is not masked. It's not like when Brian in Fast and Furious goes and masked and like takes out Johnny Tran stuff. Yeah, yeah. Johnny is not masked. He's shooting at these guys. They can all see him. They all know who he is. Mm-hmm. And the assertion is that he knows who they are. Yeah. And so then he chases Bodhi all through like like the neighborhood and then has the shoot in the air thing fucks up his knee yeah yeah, yeah. And, you, and the assumption is that he's shooting in the air because he's real like he's in too deep he doesn't want to kill Bodhi. Mm-hmm. so then the next day when they turn up at his house and tell him hey johnny like let's go skydive why are they all acting like they don't know mm-hmm. like why are they all acting like johnny doesn't know who they are and they don't know who he is well yeah i mean it makes there is the shot that they have where johnny is reaching for his gun and realizes he can't reach it without arousing suspicion so they do have that so he's just playing along because i don't know yeah, yeah like you're right like it's flawed like like how can he not think that they would know 
Yeah, exactly. But even and and then even he he goes so far as to be like, well, who packed my my parachute? Oh, how much fun was that little shell game that they play where they like, well, okay, fine, use mine. All, all I had princess. Yeah. Bride vibes, the Iocane powder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but then they all start like just swapping shoots all over the place. Like, yeah. <laughs> follow the Red Queen, follow the Red Queen. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of didn't make any sense to me why he wouldn't be like out already trying to find them and why when they come to his door he would be like, Yeah, sure. It seems like a good idea to be one on five thirty thousand feet in the air. <laughs> yeah. Well he tries to get out of it with his sore knee, so yeah. yeah, there is that. That that's a half-assed attempt to, <laughs> to not have to skydive with them. Yeah, but yeah, like to go back. I think I went on a tangent, but to go back, like the with the relationship of Bodhi and Johnny, I just I think I just didn't understand whether or not they actually liked each other or not. Mm-hmm. For it seemed it seemed kind of up in the air. Yeah, like Bodhi always showed up with taking him out and and just disrupting his day. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> but. But, you know, it's, I guess that's the surf culture, maybe. I don't yeah. know. And I think that, too, like, because all I know about Point Break is that everything I've heard about it is is kind of centered around, like, the Swayze-Reeves bromance. Yeah. And so I was, a, I was a bit thrown back by it's not really, it's not really the bromance I expected it to be, for sure. So you think the the one with Pappas is better then? Yeah, I would say the Pappas one. Yeah, the Pappas okay. one was more meaningful. Even even when Pappas dies and and Johnny's like holding yeah. him and it's like or even when he gets shot and Johnny like has his reaction and stuff it's, it it hit it hit harder when Pappas died for sure. Yeah. I I do want to say that the party that they have what the fuck is going on at that party with the fire breathing? And like, they never actually showed drug use in this movie, but like everyone at that party is on. Something. Yeah. That's not just drinking. Which was shocking because the movie's 18A. Yeah. But then what's up with the night surfing? I don't know. Like, and it, it's so clearly not night. Yeah. But like, so clear. Like, have you ever been in the ocean at nighttime? No, because it's scary as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so obviously just a dim filter that they put on the camera for that one there are there are some notably cheesy ocean cuts in this movie the the one the one that's most that's most like cringeworthy to me is that is at the end when johnny and and bodie are on the beach and they're like johnny's doing his whole speech about how how he tracked bodie down and from place to place one wave one way and then, and then it just gives me yeah, one way gives this shot of like i'm pretty sure it's the most popularly used video of a giant tidal wave like curling over the ocean yeah but it's weird yeah. it's just so clearly implanted stock in footage yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know there is that scene where they're playing football on the beach by headlight okay because yeah. that's a thing you do and that beach is actually the same one that they played soccer on in karate kid so I oh, thought nice. that was a that That's was a fun cool. little fact, yeah. But yeah, that that was also kind of a fun scene with the whole chasing him the fuck down to tackle him into the waves. Okay, like he tackled him into water. Why is everyone? Yeah, why is everyone getting so mad? <laughs> and you all love the water. Why are you so angry? <laughs> yeah, they they go out at night to surf on it. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I'm glad you brought up the football scene. I did really think. I thought that scene was a lot of fun. Okay, well, let's get to the real reason we're here. The bank heists and the high adrenaline action. Yes. Do you think the president shtick got old after a while? The All the, I am not a crook, and, and like, you know, all their impersonations, just even in the van. 
and shit uh, yeah. like that. Like, in, in the bank, I get it. Yeah. You know, but... I definitely really liked it the first time I saw it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, by the end, it kind of got... By the end, especially because at the end, it's it's much more high stakes. And I was like, I feel like in that situation, you guys would just be down to business, mm-hmm. not still pulling this, like, weird act. Yeah. <laughs> but I, di- I did think that it was, like, a brilliant, like, what a brilliant shtick to, like, use five presidents. It'd be so easy to remember their names. Yeah. So you ne- you're never worried about, like, saying somebody's name accidentally. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I thought it, I thought that was good. It's kind of like a Batman. Almost, They almost remind me of, like, a Batman gang. <laughs> 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 the Joker gang in Dark Knight. Yeah. I, I did read, and I mean, we may not know this because we're Canadian, but I, I read that they get killed off in the order that the presidents actually held office. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. I love stuff like that. Well, and, and there was uh, there was one more thing about that, too, was um, Johnny, the fact that he's unmasked, the only other ex-president that was alive at the time was Gerald Ford, who is famously known as being a football player in college. And so the parallel with Johnny Utah being Gerald Ford, basically, in this case, was also just another one of those Easter eggs that I'm like, ah, yeah, mm. that's fucking cool. Nice. Yeah. So we've, we've also got that scene where they're casing the wrong surfers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know one of my first thoughts when I saw Johnny out, outside the window was the neighbor's lawnmower and just how insanely dangerous that lawnmower looked with its ex- exposed blades. And I like I completely forgot that it comes up as part of the fight later. Yeah. But you know, Colin, that lawnmower, it was made by craftsmen. And I think that means it's time for Sponsorship Corner. Do it. Always on the lookout for product placements in movies. This week, Point Break is brought to you by Craftsman, Corona Beer, Cheerios, Pepsi, Motorola, and Midland Radios, Porsche, Lincoln, Ford, Chevrolet, and Audi cars, U-Haul, Goodyear Tires, Visa and MasterCard, Davco, AeroCart, Specs and Fibian Eyewear, and Oakley, O'Neill Clothing, Hideaway Leather Company, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, or FDIC, and Mr. Zog Sex Wax. <laughs> Plus, a shout out to what I believe is a fictional company, Yoroko Gas Station. That's where he makes the flamethrower. <laughs> and this has been Sponsorship Corner. Why don't we talk about the flamethrower for a minute? Oh, absolutely. Is that is that possible? I don't like, know. I've, I'm wondering whether that's like... why it's a made-up gas station, because, like, Shell didn't want to <laughs> attach their name to that. Exxon was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Zoolander, Zoolander would have me believe you would just <laughs> blow the whole place up. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know how high pressure, like, how much of a jet it comes out in. Yeah. I just feel like if if the gas is what you lit, the entire, I feel like the entire thing would just catch fire. It should you know? go back through the hose, blow up the yeah. pump. Yeah. I also thought, why, why wouldn't he have just shot gas all over the car and tossed the lighter in like 
and any normal person would. <laughs> I feel like he. I feel like. I mean, it's Bodie, so he probably was just like, "Ugh, flamethrower, awesome, so much cooler, <laughs> so extreme." Because you yeah. know, we we see that everything in his house. He's all about extreme. He likes yeah. rock climbing. He likes skydiving. Actually, uh, Patrick Swayze really does like skydiving, and so one of the jumps, it is actually him. Oh, nice. In those in those shots, yeah. Not the other guys, but but yeah, he that's awesome. He was an adrenaline junkie. Did you have a fa- <laughs> did you have a favorite of like what what was your favorite like big set piece scene? Ah, <sighs> well, this one with the raid on the wrong house was definitely a fun one. Yeah, like that one woman, the naked woman, the is naked sp- woman, is sh- yes! she's scrappy as fuck, man. Like, <laughs> I was like, what what happened in your day that you were so angry? <laughs> yeah, I, I I think ultimately though, the one that was probably my favorite was the car chase to foot chase with Keanu Reeves hurtling over people and yeah. and all that. I mean, that was a big long one, and I remember I looked at that and pause the movie for a second and i'm like holy shit i'm only halfway through yeah like usually a big car chase like this it's like oh we're getting right to the ending and i'm like what is left in this movie and then it's like we get like 10 minutes of skydiving for no reason which i actually thought was just kind of pointless we've established from the pictures in his house that he's an adrenaline junkie you could have still had that as like the big climax of this master heist and we would have got it Without having to take Keanu Reeves for a skydive and waste some fucking time. Yeah, the, sk- the skydive. <laughs> the skydive was so bizarre. Like, just yeah, like I said before, just all the circumstances around how it even comes to be is weird. Yeah. It literally serves no purpose. They could that that whole skydiving scene could just be cut out, and yeah. it could have just been a scene of them abducting Johnny, taking him somewhere, showing him the video of. Tyler. He's always getting fucking kidnapped. Yeah. Always. Like, <laughs> nonstop in the end. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I thought the skydiving scene, like, it looked cool. And, I mean, they have, like, that whole... That was the other thing. It's, like, e- even the thing when when they're deciding who's gonna throw who's gonna pull the chute or whatever like that's the only thing it's for is foreshadowing Uh so like that's and and, and then when that scene actually comes up in the end why did you have to throw the gun away like he fucking tosses it why didn't you put it in your pants pocket or or you know like or you know tuck it in your waistband i mean you know like yeah i i just the the chicken with the parachute was like what what why yeah the mythbusters have actually busted everything about that final parachute scene oh really except he would have been able to catch up to him if he was all torpedo like but the talking in midair could two of them hold on to that parachute for 90 seconds could both of them survive if they landed with how far off the ground they pulled the chute nice. yeah all of it was busted except for catching up to Patrick Swayze that's awesome so yeah, I would agree. I think I think the foot chase is is my favorite, just because it's like it reminds me a lot of the 1966 Batman movie when he's running with the bomb, yeah. where things just keep getting thrown <laughs> in his way. Like I laugh so hard when he gets the dog thrown at him. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you see in the credits how carefully they made sure that you knew that it was Not that hurt. it was simulated? Oh, no, I didn't yeah, see that. yeah, and like said, SPCA was on set supervising the stunt and everything like that. Yeah, because it's it's a fake dog that he kicks away. Obviously, yeah, it, it seemed like a longer humane society society message in the credits than normal yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, he weaponizes a fucking dog (laughs) yeah that was awesome 
And then, like, the house, the, the first raid on the, the false raid or whatever on that house was, I don't know. There's one scene, I can't remember who they take down, but these FBI agents, they just come, like, full bore into the kitchen and take this guy down over the table. And, like, max credit to whatever actor played one of because you if you watch it, he smokes his head on the edge of the counter, and I was shocked that he was not unconscious. Oh, I didn't notice that. Jeez. I did I did love that, I mean, we didn't mention him before, but the fact that Anthony Kiedis is in this movie, I thought was so bizarre. Yes. I didn't, re- I didn't realize he had an acting career. Okay, and so when they jump on him on the beach, Bodie ends up t- saying that they were a bunch of Nazi assholes. Yeah. I don't think they were all white. Weren't a couple of them, like, Hispanic? Yeah. Or were they just really tan? I mean, yeah, it's hard to say, but I thought for sure at least one was Hispanic. Yeah. Okay. Whatever it is, they do not, like, they, no one would look at those guys, I don't think, and be like, oh, yeah, those are Nazis. Like, maybe if they were, like, skinheads or something yeah. like that, but they don't look like Nazis to me. Yeah, but the one guy had, like, the braids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I did read uh, with the whole bit about the story of his knee injury was actually something that was similar to Keanu Reeves' real life because he had a college hockey career and he fucked up his knee and that's what got him into acting. I did not know that. And then it took him a while to become a really likable guy in acting, I guess. Yeah. A less wooden guy. (laughs) Yeah. He loosened up in the Matrix, you know, it's... (laughs) Because even speed is a little wooden. Yeah. Prior to doing this podcast, I think the only movies I'd seen Keanu Reeves in were The Matrix. I've yet to watch John Wick. Oh, I, I watched, that's not true. I watched Constantine, which I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, he's yeah. still pretty like yeah. morose in that movie. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> there was one point in the one robbery scene where Johnny is being taken along. First of all, I don't understand why they changed up their MO at this point. Like, why did they go for the vault all of a sudden? Yeah, that also didn't make... There's, but yeah. but the security guard, I could have sworn it was Brian Baumgartner, Kevin from The Office. Yeah, I thought that <laughs> But too. no, it wasn't. However, earlier when, when they do the wrong raid and, and the undercover narcotics officer comes in and he's all pissed off, I'm like, is that Tom Sizemore? And yes, he's uncredited, but there he is, Tom Sizemore. Yeah. <laughs> the whole line about, I hate the, this hair. You think I like this hair? My wife hates this hair. I have to sleep in a motel. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was good so with like the the final bank robbery the yeah. cop who ends up being there i was just thinking the last the, the second time i watched it through is this is this is what like the cop is living in an action movie that goes that would never exist because it goes yeah. back he's like he's living in the real person's action movie <laughs> i would have loved to see an alternate movie that just focuses on this cop and this is just his, just this just ends up being his last like, whatever happened his day, and now he's like, I have one last chance to be a hero. <laughs> and then he goes he goes to the bank and gets his opportunity and just completely bungles it. <laughs> I was trying to decide if it was his fault that things went sideways or if it was... I also kind of really feel bad for that security guard because he just didn't want any... Oh, yeah. He ends up getting he ends up getting killed. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. He murdered by proximity, or or because he was wearing a uniform and he was now the man. So, yeah. Okay, so finale of this movie, the one year later. I don't think I fully understand what was happening here. Yeah. Right? Okay. Okay. For, first of all, I have jurisdiction questions. He's FBI. He's in Australia. Would they have really? 
cooperated this much with the FBI to bring in this guy? Well, I mean, he did kill a police officer, so maybe uh-huh. there's probably they'd probably have some sort of extradition okay. rules. Yeah, I don't know Th- that scene. I'm just gonna say it. It fell. Re- it fell really flat. Yeah. All respect to Catherine Bigelow, Oscar award-winning director of Hurt Locker. <laughs> I don't know if she. Yeah, she did win an Oscar. But uh, yeah, I don't know. This movie just doesn't. It sets up all the wrong things. We at the beginning we have this like shooting scene just to foreshadow and set up the fact that he's an ace shot so when he misses it's bad then we have the uh parachute scene Mm -hmm. to foreshadow the later parachute scene this final scene i feel like has no decent setup yeah i I feel like the the true end of the movie it would have been better to just let bodhi ride off into the sunset after the airport yeah because my my question in the scene was are again are they friends like what's What's the deal? And and is Bodhi dead now? You know, that wave, yeah. we have to assume that he is, but he also just let him go and, and then throws away his badge? Yeah. That's, did did that's, he again. quit the FBI in this moment? Or was this a decision he already had and he used the badge to get the Australian police to put a full task force out on this guy in a cooperative effort, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's as straightforward as the 10-second car that Dom gets at the exactly. end. Like that, that is, you go, this is, you're yeah. risking your life by going. Back to my, <laughs> like, original point on the Point Break versus Fast and the Furious judgment mm-hmm. is th- this is where Fast and the Furious does a better point break than point break. Yeah. Because that moment that Brian, I mean, I've seen it so many times now that I know it's going to happen. But in the original movie, that moment when Brian hands Dom the keys really means something. Yeah. This scene where Johnny unlocks the handcuffs, it doesn't really mean anything because he's still either going to die or like, but again, then it just goes back to this overarching surfing is God thing of this movie. Like, it was worth the wave. Yeah, I'm being returned to the ocean where I want to be or whatever. Yeah. Ultimately, yeah. the movie, the moral of the movie is just like whatever you have to do to get the next wave. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. And no consequences, apparently. I mean, I guess, you know, it's your own damn fault for wanting to go out in a wave that, that big, but that you might die. But yeah. yeah, I mean, I look at this and with the comparison to The Fast and the Furious, I can see how a sequel could have come off this is, you know, he throws away his badge. They could have been partners. You could have had point break nine. Well, it's funny. It's funny too, because I I was thinking after if they had kept Bodhi alive and I mean, Patrick Swayze is obviously not alive anymore, but like, but one of the most amazing crossovers you could have ever made would have been Point Break with Fast and the Furious. Oh my god, yes. Because these guys, like that team, the ex-presidents, are basically what the Fast and the Furious is now. These like mm-hmm. thr- thrill-seeking like like government agents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <You> government <laughs> agents. You, you could you could have <laughs> went you could have went down like kind of the same the same path, but I think yeah, I think I think having Bodhi die was a big mistake. Yeah. Any other scenes, or should we just wrap this up and get to our reviews? We brushed on it. Like, the scene, the the first scene where Johnny yells at Pappas again, I just yeah. need to mention, I thought that was, like, I didn't know if it was supposed to be funny or not. 
And then you go back and you do see, I will say this for Keanu, you do see growth between that scene and the final scene when he's doing his little walk around Bodhi explaining to him like how long he's looked for him and how you got to come in Bodhi man. This is the way it ends. You got to go down. Now, because his hair was long in the final yeah. scene, I'm wondering whether that was filmed first. Yeah. And, and then he lost the character somewhere along the way because then he got the haircut and lost the character. The character was in the hair, man. Yeah. I, <laughs> I just love my favorite part of that last scene is when he's like, people trusted you and they died. It's <laughs> just like. Okay. All all the passion. But then but then but then Pat Patrick's I still keep wanting to call him Patrick Stewart. Patrick Swayze. <laughs> I got that stuck in our heads. Patrick Swayze, honestly, man, this guy is brilliant. Was brilliant. Like he just <laughs> plays it so cool. Everything he does, he just plays it so cool. Yeah. I just want to watch more Swayze, is I guess the ultimate point <laughs> that I have to make. Have you ever been skydiving? No, that's, no? I don't think, I honestly don't think I can. I think I'd have a heart attack. Uh, oh. It just seems, I, yeah, I, I, I've been cliff jumping. I like, okay, and I like that, but I don't know, skydiving, I just think it's too, it's too high. It's too much. Yeah. <laughs> have you, have you been? I have been, yeah. And what a rush. But like the Mythbusters apparently busted, there's no way you'd be able to have a conversation. No. <laughs> my, my tandem, you know, operator was right in my ear and i could barely hear what he was saying even once the shoot was pulled so <laughs> yeah, i always wonder like because i mean i've seen like videos obviously of people skydiving yeah and it's just so it's so weird to me how you, you have to be falling fast right yep oh yeah oh yeah like you're falling very very fast you've reached terminal velocity but it looks so slow Mm-hmm. And that that's always bogg- that's always boggled my mind about skydiving and just uh, yeah. But I I think they were pretty good. Like if we bring it back to this movie, they they were pretty good about showing the intensity of, especially when they're having the whole standoff with pulling the ripcord, but mm-hmm. showing the intensity that he comes down and fucks his knee again. Yeah. Oh man, I I felt bad for him. Like every time he landed on that knee, it's just like ah. Oh. Well, that was Poor the one Keanu. thing, because, like, <laughs> I always hear about, like, paratroopers in the army, how they have such messed up knees. Yeah. And so I was I did, was thinking that that was probably going to come into play with the skydiving somehow. Yeah. That's why in the first one, when they land on the water, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's Point Break. Now, Colin, on IMDb, it scored a 7.3 out of 10, has a meta score of 58. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 70% on the tomato meter and an audience rating of 79%. But Colin, those are just numbers. Like a dangerously exposed lawnmower to the face. Hit us with some reviews. <laughs> All right, I got a few from Rotten Tomatoes, and then I got one gem from the Google Play Store. So I'll start with the Rotten Tomatoes ones. Outstanding. Ah, super reviewer Alec B says... 3.5 out of 5 stars, Johnny Utah might be the most wildly incompetent FBI agent in the history of cinema, but that's part of what makes Point Break enjoyable. Yeah, the script is all over the place, that's probably being generous, and yet Bigelow makes it work somehow. As to the much-discussed homoeroticism, well, I can't claim to know if it was intentional or not, but it's certainly there. I, huh, I, I don't know if I felt that myself, I... 
I mean, you know, bromance is the word that I use, but I, I don't know if it's homoeroticism. I... Is it, yeah, it's hard to see. Is it only because they're shirtless so much? But uh, they wear wetsuits. I mean, they're not even, I don't know, just the, is it the mooning? I mean, I feel like they're, I feel like they're more <laughs> in love with the water than anything. Yeah. And Johnny's in love with the girl, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lakeisha S., 3.5 out of 5 stars, says, A surprising degree of depth to this often smart thrill ride. Swayze is legitimately magnetic in this role, and he's able to keep you invested even though a large stretch of the film has the audience waiting for Reeves' character to find out the obvious. The chasing Reagan scene is one of the best chase sequences out there, and the skydiving moments yeah. are iconic. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I already mentioned how I thought the skydiving was overused, but that chase scene, that is a good one. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I, yeah, yeah. I'm glad I saw that one again. Paul W., 3.5 out of 5 stars, says, Not quite as good as you remember. It's a mixed bag. Some vital action sequences, including a pounding foot chase and botched violent house arrest. Swayze and Busey are also very watchable. But the plot is silly, and parts of the script seem to have been written by a 12-year-old. Signs of James Cameron involvement. Bigelow would go on to make better films. If you ever want to know why people say that Keanu Reeves is a bad actor, watch the last five minutes of this movie. <laughs> The five minutes you actually praised him for. <laughs> I know. We have, we have a different, different... I would say watch the first, like, 20 minutes of this movie and we'll see some just absolute... Or just, like, like go back and watch that whole scene around, like, him and Tyler just before this. It's like, that's some of the worst emoting I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and I, I like the uh, subtle sick burn on James Cameron in there, too. <laughs> yeah. George M., two... Out of five stars says, minus the stunts, I hated this movie. And frankly, I don't like any of this director's movies. I'm sorry, not sorry. She's talented. I just can't. Two bags, two hours. I'll never get back. <laughs> RT gets it gets it wrong again. This sucks. People just like Swayze and Keanu. So do I, but bad is bad and that's it. This movie came out the week after T2 Judgment Day and couldn't take number one from Arnie. T2 is maybe my favorite movie ever. Just like the white trash grandma played by Glenn Close in Hillbilly Elegy or Redneck Fable that Netflix bomb about 30 movies ago, that was her favorite movie, but the reference to a great movie and a bad movie doesn't make two wrongs make a right. <laughs> that's that's just an aside. So, so yeah, whatever with Point Break. More like Give Me a Break. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> This thing is cheesy, and they had the nerve to try to make John C. McGinley unlikable and Gary Busey likable. It's the opposite. Fuck this. <laughs> that is the best. So, yeah, whatever with Point Break. More like, give me a break. <laughs> I love that. Oh, boy. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, like, I think John C. McGinley is always supposed to be someone that you love to hate anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, Dr. Cox is not a nice person, but he's got a nice heart. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. We didn't see him enough in this movie to really give a shit about him that much. Mm -hmm. He delivered Dr. Cox-like lines in a Dr. Cox-like way. I mean, for sure. it worked for me. All right. Sunny J, two out of five stars, has two hours of macho posturing along with a brain-dead plot, awful dialogue, and more wooden acting than a forest full of wood. The only highlight was the spectacular <laughs> camera work, especially the surfing and skydiving scenes. That said, far too long was spent showing guys surfing the wave to the point where I wondered whether I was watching a film documentary about surfing. Okay. All right, and then this is the last one from uh, Google Play Reviews. From Colin Pittman. Great name. 
<laughs> five out of five stars. Spoiler alert. Holy wow balls. This is one good movie, my man. <laughs> I would highly suggest it. It is great for the whole family who loves a romantic action in the water. Keanu Reeves is a beast in this movie, especially when he jumps over the fence and almost breaks his ankles, but continues to try to chase the surfers and then empties his clip straight into the sky. What a badass move. What if those came falling back down right at him? That could kill him. But he's such a beast that he doesn't care. Well, I'm at my 100 words, so I'll stop. You should watch it. <laughs> Great fun for the whole family. Didn't you point out that it's 18A? Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, don't know if you want to say, I don't know if the family wants to watch a naked woman stab somebody in the back with a knife yeah. repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> right on. So we've got mostly in the 70s, except for the Metascore of 58. Colin, final thoughts on the movie. What, what did you think? Where does it fall for you? I'm, it's a movie that I'm glad to have watched. In retrospect, I think it's unfortunate that we watched Fast and the Furious, or that I specifically watched Fast and the Furious for probably the 30th time again before I watched this movie. And so recently, yeah. And and had read all those people like talk about how, like comparing Point Break to Fast and the Furious. I think that might have tainted my view on it a little bit. It really does, yeah. But at the end of the day... I love Patrick Swayze, even with his like weird, dirty beard in this movie. <laughs> he's just he's just so good at everything. I feel like I didn't appreciate him enough previous to doing this podcast. Yeah, there are situations in his life where it definitely he kind of became a punchline at some point. But yeah, you're right. I I agree that everything that we've seen of him recently, because I mean, he had Ghost and he had Dirty Dancing, and even though those you know were good performances, they're not macho movies. That mm -hmm. when we have a macho movie like Point Break or Roadhouse or you know Red Dawn or something like that, it's it's tough to see him in that light without thinking of that punchline that he kind of became. And I, I see what you mean about him, where it's like, yeah, he he was better than I thought. Yeah, the thing that I I, I really respect about him is he just is like a hundred percent charisma. Yeah, yeah, and he's just so different from you know other macho guys of that era. Like he's not the like butch beefcake guy. That I feel like he's not Arnold Schwarzenegger or Sylvester Stallone. Like he's he's still obviously yeah. in good shape, but he but he's like he just ha has like such charisma without having to be such a like that archetype, I guess. Well, I almost would say that that's his sensitive side, the fact that he's yeah. a dancer, and that's why the women are all in love with the Swayze. You know, that's, is because yeah. he taps into that. Yeah, I would give Point Break. I would probably fall in the seventy percent. I think it's an enjoyable movie. I could have done with about half of the skydiving, but mm -hmm. the ch the chase scenes were really awesome, and like all the all the like big action set pieces, I thought really really delivered well. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a fan of a heist movie, so I definitely like seeing the heist aspect, and I wanted a bit more of that. I mean, that mm. that was where, like I said at the beginning, I I didn't really remember all the cop stuff. It was all the heist stuff and all the action, and that's what I remember from this movie, and that's what I still enjoyed. And I could have almost done without the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, you know, you knock off five or ten minutes off the beginning, cut out that one skydiving scene. All of a sudden, it's clipping along at like an hour forty-five instead of like the 205, 210 that it was. And mm -hmm. and there you go. I mean, that's that's one of the things that I would do to speed this up. And But I get into that 70 range as well, though, because, yeah, I, I feel the same way. I would rather watch Fast and the Furious 
Yeah, I, I will say that, but it was definitely nice to revisit this. And being so close to Roadhouse, it, it's fun yeah. to see these these action Patrick Swayze movies. Because the ones I'm most familiar with are, strangely enough, Dirty Dancing and Ghost. Mm-hmm. That's that's the Patrick Swayze that I know the best. Yeah, I think before we did the podcast, the only one that I had watched was Dirty Dancing. That it, that was all I'd seen him in. Yeah, and then yeah, Roadhouse was so so good, so good. <laughs> This phenomenal movie. You know what? Point Break could have used a little bit more Sam Elliott. <laughs> oh, it could have used a lot more Sam Elliott. Yeah. Like what? If, what if? Like what if Harp? What if Sam Elliott had played Harp? Oh, I... I mean, there's no, there's no way he would have took a punch to the face. But yeah, I don't know if I like him being the foil. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I almost want him replacing Keanu. <laughs> oh, yeah. except he's so much older than patrick swayze <laughs> i mean what 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 if, but what if you made swayze utah and you made sam elliott Bodie? there you go that's the movie yeah yeah there we go <laughs> and that is point break and that's our show for this week oh boy if you like that show one thing you can do to really help us out on the business end is tell your friends word of mouth is the lifeblood of a podcast trying to get noticed in that huge sea of podcasts out there we are the official rival of conan o'brien needs a friend so we need your help getting us our numbers to help crush conan o'brien's podcast and it's telling your friends is what's going to do it or if you want to go above and beyond go to whatever app it is you listen to your podcast on and give us five stars doesn't matter what you say in those reviews but it's those five stars they drive you up the charts and they help us get noticed and be sure to check out our website www.iustolikethisone.com there you can find links to all our podcast episodes as well as our social media we have facebook we have instagram we have twitter go on there give us a share give us a like give us a comment tell us to hang 10 whatever that means (laughs) (laughs) check out sean's sweet memes i'm sure there'll be some awesome ones for point break i don't understand how there could not be (laughs) and also if you'd like to get a hold of us by email be sure to write us at i used to like this one all one word at gmail.com drop us a line let us know if you like the show let us know if you like our new format let us know what movies you used to like and then maybe you'll find us talking about them on the show and if you would like to be a producer of the show and donate to us, you can go to patreon.com slash I used to like this one, become part of our Patreon community, and get a shout out on our show, just like executive producer Joshua Blum. I used to like this one is created by, hosted by, and produced by Sean Wells and Colin Stewart. It is edited by Sean Wells, music by Lyndon Carter. Look for his band Carter in the Capitals anywhere you listen to music. Thanks for listening. And join us next week when we take a look at another movie on I used to like this one.